and welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is L.H. Millard, Corporate Learning Manager at Delta Fawcett where her focus is on the Brizo brand. When Elle and I made a date to speak, I really just wanted to get to know her better. You see, as you'll hear on the podcast, there had been forces at work trying to get Elle and I together. And while we finally did meet in January in Las Vegas at KBiz, that interlude was way too brief for two women who love to make things and shop for vintage clothing. Alas, we scheduled this call, and I asked Elle if I could record it just in case I thought it would make a good podcast. And I think it has. In the podcast, Elle talks about her journey through the world of art and design, her stint on HGTV's Design Star, the way the whole social media influencer thing plays out in the kitchen and bath space, the split second when she decided to study math rather than fashion, as well as some of her favorite trends in kitchen and bath. Elle's joy for what she does is evident, as is her flair for relationship building and our conversation left me wanting photographic evidence of hairstyles past, of her present state of mass-making, her wedding dress, and past art projects, especially the tape sculpture. Since Elle and I really only just met, and I cannot vouch for her long term, I'm turning the mic over to Veronica Miller-Eagleson, CEO and editor of Modenus Media who is a leader in the interior design and kitchen and bath industries, a pioneer in the blog tour business, and an outstanding overall brand connector and advisor. I'll leave it to Veronica to further introduce you to Elle. Thanks, Jane, for inviting me to introduce Elle today. What can I say? In our world of creatives, some just stand out. She does. Not just in terms of creative output and the embodiment of her own creativity, her look, the way she lives her life, the way she approaches her work. I like to think of people like Elle as true creatives. I met Elle a number of years ago when she was still working for the NKVA and thought, whoa, this one's different. Then I realized that the first impression, her hair, her glasses, oh my God, all those great glasses and incredible self-designed outfits are only the surface of a person that exudes creative energy in its purest form. From her children's clothing line modeled on her awesome kids to her own design talent, including the design of our own DMM Talks Lounge at Cavis, to creative marketing solutions for her clients and employers, Elle has it all and comes with a genuine heart, soul, and intelligence. I'm usually pretty restrained when it comes to describing people, so if this makes me sound like a fangirl, it's because I am. Wow. Thank you, Veronica. I love our whole mutual admiration society. On that note, I'm ready for you to meet Elle. Hello, this is Elle. Elle, it's Jane. How are you? Hey, 
Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How's uh, Indianapolis today? Are you cold, rainy? It is chilly. Yeah. It was really nice. We had some great days, and then just recently it got a little chilly. Yeah, we're kind of having that overcast, chilly day, but I made soup. I just made some soup, and I've got my slippers on, and I'm good, you know, feeling cozy. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's how we roll at home, you know? It's so funny. I used to work from home all the time and or, or travel, you know, that kind of job. And I would dress up every day. And my husband's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to work. Like, just because it's from my house, I'm still going to work. But since this quarantine has happened, I'm like, I mean, I got a shower, but I didn't really blow dry my hair. <laughs> okay. Okay. And what do you, and, and as far as like your at home work attire these days, what's it like? I still do kind of look wacky like normal. <laughs> well, that's what sort of, you know, and, and I'm glad that you bring up fashion and your style because, because that's what brought us together in a way only and I say that because when I first went to KBiz and my first time at KBiz was 2019 and um, people were like do you know Elle Millard do you know her I'm like no who is she you have to meet her you're gonna love her she's got such great style and um, so you were just like this person that I had to meet and then I saw you from afar but we never met that year and but you were wearing something really good when I spied you, it was like some kind of crazy pantsuit, I think, or something good. Uh, do you know, you know, Veronica Miller? Or yes, I think she's the one that told me I had to meet you. Mm -hmm. So for a while, she kept saying, oh, we need to partner with Jane. We need to do something. And I'm like, I'm on it. Like, let's go. And NKBA is just um, a little behind. Wow. <laughs> on things <laughs> so um now we get to meet this way so that's nice uh, yeah they're doing great things now so good for them yeah yeah and I mean we got to meet very I think serendipitously this market it was just like I walked into Delta Fawcett and there you were and um and it was great it was great so I want to you know I, I always like these sort of discovery calls because so you were this person that I had to meet, and then we finally met. But we didn't really have time to just get to know each other. So that's what kind of I feel like doing today. So sound good? <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so I, I, you know, you um, you have one of those interesting, like I went onto your LinkedIn profile, and you have an, an interesting background doing a lot of different things and so I always like to find out like how did you get to be you and so I want to start in the present and just find out exactly like what your role is and where do you spend the most time and your you know your creative and your mental <laughs> capacity these days yeah so I am with Delta Fawcett company and was drawn to the company from uh, being an influencer for NKBA and had come out to our headquarters just to kind of uh, help be an ambassador for some of the members for NKBA. And when I got out there, it was really cool. The culture is amazing and awesome. Um, so I learned about everything from the company uh, from an influencer's perspective to come in then as an employee 
and my role has been heavily Brizo driven, but more on the corporate learning manager side of things to uh, bridge the gap between manufacturers and designers and bring them together to obviously help specify product. Um, but less salesy. It's not a sales position. It's more of an educational position as to why our products are are really good. And sure. coming from an honest standpoint versus, you know, one that kind of is contrived is really nice. I had buy-in prior to becoming an employee um, just from having experienced the brand personally on a form your own opinion kind of uh, manner. I, I had no reason to say positive or negative. There was no incentives really. Um, so I had a lot of buy-in to the company naturally and mm -hmm. have loved Brizo products for a long time. So, so it's awesome being here as an employee now. Yeah, no, that's cool. And it kind of just happens sort of naturally. Um, well, I mean, and a lot of hard work naturally, plus a lot of hard work. Right. But, so <laughs> one thing that I noticed um, Al, when I the first year that I covered uh, the show was that a lot of these companies like Brizo or Delta or Monogram and a bunch of other companies in the kitchen and bath space have these sort of designer programs where they bring designers out um, to their facilities and really it's education. You know, it's fun, it's education. You get to really learn the product so that if you are a designer and you love the product, you can then confidently specify it for your client and so is this the sort of thing that you'll be like creating those sort of events and and um, yes is that, mm -hmm. yes so I had been at many of these events on the other side of things right and fell in love with quite a few um, that do them really well monogram is one of them um, and felt this connection with designers as, as you are doing with your uh, designer experience on in May or coming up here soon. Mm -hmm. um, so it's this bond that you form with these people that have like-minded interests and it's fun. You know, that it feels nice. Even, even now when we have all this time on our hands, I mean, really, I don't have any time on my hands. But, <laughs> I know, <but> right. <laughs> we're home. <laughs> and it sounds glorious to be with your family and do great things. And it sounds amazing to go on vacation with your family. All that sounds wonderful. But at the end of the day, when you go on vacation with your family, they want to go to Disney, you want to go somewhere else, right? Like, there's, it's disjointed. And when you go to these events, there's so many similar interests and so many similar people that have similar end goals. It's just a new family that gets formed. And there's something really special about that kind of camp right. where you feel like you're in good company and you're all struggling through business problems together or you like certain products or you learn about certain products uh, just through natural organic conversation. And it's not overly... Uh, it's not salesy. It's just a way for you to form your own opinions and stay connected in the industry. So that kind of stuff, I find personally, like I thrive on that. I love being around other creatives. And then I get to do that for Delta Fawcett Company to have them feel that same experience. It's very similar to what you do. Um, yeah. It feels good. It feels nice to lead the group. It feels nice to be a part of the group. 
it's just it's that it's the vacation, the dream vacation we all want, but we can't really say that because yeah, it's great to do what your husband wants to do. Like I'm not interested right, we, in seeing hockey games, but he thinks that's amazing. <laughs> right, right. I well, hey, you know, I believe in separate vacations. I believe in in. <laughs> there's a lot of traditions that I say, you know, d- together and apart. You everybody should have their their together moments and and then their time away. But okay, so I have a question about these programs. So you were sure. on the other side of the fence. You were the one that was invited to go um, as an influencer to these places because when you are when you do go on these vacations and there's a lot of reasons why designers love them you're you know you're wined and dined and you're it's it's you know you're with your friends and everything how do for for people that are listening to this potential podcast um how do people get invited like I know you have to have a degree of influence but what are companies like what will you be looking for how do you create these groups and then do you juggle the people that go do you you know how do you form the groups and decide who goes okay so there's a couple of answers to this and I I will say that there is not an exact recipe Uh, Some of it has to do with social influence, but there's a lot of jading that happens with social influence. And some brands are very aware of that, and some brands get taken advantage of pretty easily. So just because you have a million followers doesn't necessarily mean you have a great following, right? So we kind of know these types of things as a brand. Mm -hmm. and But it is the activity, the response that you have on your social. That has something to do with it. Social isn't really a big part of our recipe specifically, it has more to do with relationship building with our reps. Mm -hmm. And those types, that's how you really get invited to these events is to have a a solid relationship with your reps. Um, That is the best way to get invited to our events specifically. I will say that brands specifically are missing out big time. So for me personally, I had tremendous influence while I was at the NKBA, uh, speaking to other chapters, other designers, heavy hitters in the industry that influence others. So it's kind of like the train the trainer type of concept where you're influencing the top tier who influences the masses. Got it. And those people get missed. And I had to sometimes ask if I could be invited to certain things. And brands didn't see... um, that I had a million followers or that um, I was their top sales. You know, I didn't have the numbers because that was not my job, but I had tremendous influence and brands are missing out on those people. Many of them are. I got overlooked a lot, a lot because of this recipe that brands were looking for. And I will say there's disruptors out there that really can shake up the industry pretty quickly. And my role with NKBA, I spoke to media every day, a big media, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, you name it. They wanted unbiased information and we'd give it to them. And we had a ton of good resources and uh, data to support what we were saying. But also I was the person that added a lot of color to that and could interject some opinions based on brands or products. And I got a lot of mentioned. Uh, Galley Sync, I got mentioned quite a few times. 
that was a that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But again, when you go back to these manufacturers and say like, hey, I want to be part of your event because it's an investment on the brand side of sure. things. It, they ha- they're paying for airfare and hotel and whining and dining and lodging and entertainment, all of that. So I it almost felt like you have to prove yourself to be part of these experiences. And that should not be the case. Um, but I can also say on the brand side of things, just hanging out at KBiz, I also saw every single person that came up to me needed to prove their value or or say something of how amazing they were. And I never saw that side of it, which was really interesting. So it's just rocky territory to navigate from both the brand perspective and the designer perspective. So it kind of has to be an organic thing, luck of the draw, or really good relationships with your rep. At -hmm. the end of the day, it's those types of things that really allow you different opportunities. And I, I will say, if I got invited, I was there. There was very few things that I missed out on. Right. Just because I know that also carries a reputation. And I also know there's people on the back end of things that are analyzing data. So there are PR agents that are looking at your list, um, your invite list, who responded, who said they were coming, who didn't come. Um, who they, they analyze that data in ways that no one ever sees. So when you're a constant no-show, but you RSVP'd, yes. Oh my goodness. Do people, do people actually, I mean, this is a big thing when you're invited out to somebody's headquarters or wherever they were going to have their venue to say yes. And then they don't really, they don't show. Uh, So bigger events like that, not as much, but they're, I mean, little events. If you're having a cocktail party and you send out an invite and it's at KBiz and they get invited to nine other things. Right. Okay. That happens. Right. Right. But then the second year or the third year, it could be any type of event. If it's a dinner, if it's a, a webinar, if it's anything, if you said, yes, I'm coming and then don't show up, there are people analyzing that data and looking at it right. and saying, mm, okay. So that's part of the recipe too. That's interesting to know that people are people are watching, right? And- yeah, and silly things like um, people – are trying to get engagement. So they want social engagement. If they put out a contest to, I don't know, hashtag something, and you could win an XYZ, it's because they're trying to engage you. They're not giving an incentive for fun. Mm-hmm. They they want your attention. And sometimes people don't participate in those. They're too busy or whatever. Those are the types of things that get you noticed. They get you on those special lists. Mm-hmm. They get you. So it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's always just show up, but show up means something different to every person. And you will go crazy if you, sh- if you, I air quote, show up to everything because you do have to curate that a little bit. But um, it's kind of what, how you present yourself in the public eye, I guess, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, is seen so many different ways. Yeah. That's, that's, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. I'd love to do a little story and talking to a couple of brands um, about that. So I may, I may pick you, your brain and Veronica's brain to just put me in the right direction. So I want to find, I want to know from you, Elle, because you, you are wildly creative. Um, You shared some, or skilled, you shared some um, drawings with me recently of an interior that you're designing. Did you study interior design? Uh, yes and no. 
uh, I have not studied formally interior design. I studied fine arts. Uh, and in 2004, I was in a master's program at University of the Arts in Philly and got offered a design job. So I left my master's degree in fine arts for a restaurant design job. In and Philly was, or somewhere else? Uh, it was actually uh, in Pennsylvania, but more Northeast Pennsylvania. Okay. So that was a hands-on the fly training that happened super quickly. Uh, it was kind of boots on the ground and let's see what you got. And I was a contractor there for, I think, three months and asked them for a full-time job. How did you and get they, that job? I mean, I'm just curious. Like, here you are in school in Philadelphia studying in the fine arts. And yes. then you get called to come in and do restaurant design? Yes. <laughs> There's something sometimes, I'm missing right there. Yeah. Sometimes things just kind of, like, work out. Um, I had uh, my fa family uh, friend of ours had been working at this restaurant design firm for years and I was waiting tables also while in grad school and he came into the restaurant I was working at and I was chatty Kathy and I showed him the sculpture I was working on that was made out of electrical tape and he's like that is so cool I just love to pick your brain on like how you think as a creative so he called me in to do this contracting gig uh, for Misericordia University uh, a little small university local to us that's um, Catholic University. Mm -hmm. So I went in and did this project that kind of never ended. It's one of those where I started as a contractor, asked for a job. They said there was no availability for a full-time position. They just kind of needed this one gig. And so I left, went to the same guy that said I should, um, he wanted to pick my brain around the tape sculpture, said, hey, you should make up some business cards and go around to some local businesses, see if they need any help. Cause he kind of felt bad that he couldn't give me a full-time gig. Mm -hmm. So I did. I literally just made up some wackadoodle business cards and was like, Hey, does anyone need help doing design? And a carpet company called me and said, yeah, we do. And they hired me full-time. And I thought, okay, I was going to go, I forget where it was. I, they had my plane ticket book to go for training and then the company, that restaurant design company, had called me and said, oh, we can't have them take you. Mm -hmm. You're ours. Mm -hmm. So I did. I ended up getting that gig uh, as a full-time job, um, just based really on a lot of luck. The guy says, make some business cards. I did. Mm -hmm. I mean, I even to this day, sometimes I question, like, how did that happen? Wow. That's yeah. Some, was... some certain things I can't remember how it actually happened. And then how long did you work for that company, the restaurant design group? Uh, I had been there for seven and a half years. And in my second year there, I asked if I could audition for HGTV's Design Star. Mm -hmm. and they all laughed at me and they're like, mm -hmm, yep, let's see how this goes. Because it's a real small town. And but use any of the projects I was doing at the time for this company. They wouldn't let me use any of the projects because of proprietary information, although they were my designs anyway. Right. Um, so I redesigned our first house. I was super young, like 22, redesigned our house with $5,000 and auditioned for Design Start. I got on the darn show. Mm. Uh, so that was just like this fun little adventure that happened in my life that 
kind of transpired into bigger things. Right. I probably watched it back then. I mean, I, I was in, I think I watched it early on. You were on this, which season? I was season two out of kick-ass Mohawk. Mm. <laughs> wow. I wonder, I'm sure some, we can find some of that. We can find some oh. of that footage on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Too fun. It was good times. Uh, very. How far designer. did you get? How far did you get? I was nominated. And you learn on reality TV that it is not at all design related, um, very much typecast. And I didn't fit the mold, which is fine. Uh, but le- lesson learned on a lot of things. I had a ton of fun, met a lot of cool people and chalked it up as an opportunity of a lifetime. Okay. So now you're a celebrity from HGTV. <laughs> and then what happens to Elle? <laughs> Uh, so I had been at that restaurant group still doing that. And I was honestly, I was super confused that they were not leveraging this stardom, if you will, from HGTV into their business. And they were a very, and still are a very small company that could have got a ton of PR, mm-hmm. but they were afraid of the PR. I don't, I don't really know the reasons behind that. And I just really felt like I was not at all going to hit my full potential there. So I left the restaurant design gig for uh, a different master's in instructional technology because I had left my master's degree. I was like a semester out to take that design job. Mm -hmm. And so I never got my master's degree in fine arts, but I was very close but I always wanted a master's. So when I left that job, I went back for instructional technology and came across the job with NKBA. Okay. When you say um, to so- me instructional technology, um, I'm such a concrete person that, that just those two words together. I'm like, what is that? What does yeah, that mean? And it really has the meaning of anything and anything. And that was what drew me to it was that you can create training for anything. And they started to talk about, you can create training for NASA and create simulations with 3d drawings and virtual reality. I'm like, well, that sounds cool. That's kind of design related. Mm -hmm. And then I heard, Oh, you can do the banking industry or you can do um, cybersecurity. Anything that needs training is essentially what this is using the, the most technology capabilities you can to formulate the most interactive training. Got it. That's the fanciest way of okay. saying instructional technology. I understand now. Thank you. So it's it's um, has a lot of legs and given me a ton of opportunity. And so I think I was, I wasn't even finished with my master's degree and I had seen the uh, opening for NKBA course developer. I didn't know what NKBA was. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I had no idea. And I took that gig right even before graduating and then uh, started helping NKBA develop their their courses for their certification. And for me, I thought that was cool because I could get back into design. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was my touch back to the thing that I really loved was is just creativity in its its entirety, whether it's photography or just digital assets, whatever it would be. Uh, it got me back into the realm to be with designers. And from there, I grew very quickly into, they kept saying to me, I don't think we're leveraging your full potential. And I I knew that, but I didn't really know how to articulate what that was. I still don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, 
because it's like you, you have talents in different things, right? I don't I don't know. And I guess maybe none of them are spectacular, but there's a wide variety of things that <laughs> that I, I like to do and yeah. I like to dabble into. And so um I I grew very quickly. Jen Bruno was our vice president at the time of strategy at NKBA, and she just really saw the potential in me to develop me further. And really, thanks to her, she asked if I would be the face of NKBA. And I, again, didn't know what that meant, other than I would be doing these training modules. And um, so I developed these little videos for them and started doing things on social media, which turned into a, a bigger influence for the NKBA. Mm-hmm. And, and, is, and you did that for how many years? Uh, let's see. I think around three years. I was it, that job was the industry relations manager. That was my title at NKBA. And was that your mo- and then was that um, your most recent job prior to where you are now? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I left the NKBA uh, to come to Delta Faucet Company. Right. right. So I just but wanna, all tied together. I, I want to go back just to Philadelphia because that's my hometown. So whenever I Aww. hear <laughs> that somebody has a connection to it, I just have to have to say that and I have to ask you um, what you and I, I love Pennsylvania in general um, but how was Philly for you did you love the city and what did you love about it yes I did love Philly um, it has tons of culture great people uh, very busy younger scene and back then it wasn't as cool as it is as it is now I would say uh, where did you live a little we lived, uh, where did we live? We lived in Maniunk. We did some oh, house Maniunk, for a little yeah, bit. Oh, Maniunk, yeah, uh-huh. That's a great area. Yep. Uh, we just got lucky because my husband was in the same program as I was, and it was a low residency program at UArts for eight weeks during the summer. So we only needed temporary housing, and one of the professors went away for the summer, so we did some house sitting for him, which was really cool. Oh, very nice. Um, and then we just stayed in grad dorm kind of things uh, if – if that opportunity wasn't available. Where is University of the Arts? Uh, Broad Street and... North Broad? Or South Broad? Towards South Philly or North? Like towards Temple area? Mm -hmm. No, towards South Philly. South Philly, okay. Okay. So, yeah, I was there recently. I was there in February. Was I there in February? Yes. (laughs) It's like, when did I last (laughs) get on a plane and... And why did I go? Oh, I was there at the end of January for my best friend's husband's birthday. It was a big birthday, so I I went there and loved it. Love it every time I go. So, yeah. Did you think when you were growing up, did you aspire to be – what did you aspire to be when you were growing up? Oh, this is so sad because I still feel like it's in there. Um, I always wanted to be a fashion designer. Uh-huh. And I still do dabble in fashion uh, design. I make kids' clothes. Uh, I make. I do photography. I love hands-on. Being well, you're creative. making masks right now, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is They're the new cool. fashion accessory. I'm sure they. I I need some cool masks. I just I ordered some, but I think I'm gonna need different styles of masks. Yeah. Right. They're like glasses. Yes. It's definitely a fashion accessory now. Uh. <laughs> what what fabrics are you making your masks out of? Uh, I use two. I use a flannel interior, which is usually a cool pattern, and then a just 100% cotton, more of a rigid cotton on the exterior. And they're slightly reversible. 
-hmm. They're not really, you're supposed to use the flannel to kind of protect and filter, but you can turn them inside out. Mm -hmm. So you sew, you're, you're, you, you know how to sew. Yeah. It's like my therapy, but I always wanted to, I always wanted to be a fashion designer and I was in high school in a public speaking class, which I was terrible at. And we went around the room, everybody stood up and said what were they what they wanted to study in college. And the girl behind me who went before me knew that I wanted to be a fashion designer and said, I'm going to FIT to be a fashion designer. And I was like, I was crushed. And it has always been my personality to just kind of be like, F you, I'm doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that very second, literally, I was the next person to speak. And I said, I want to be a math teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody in the room looked at me like, huh, that was interesting. And then I felt like I couldn't be a phony or a fraud. I was going for math. And I <laughs> have regretted that. <laughs> Uh, so I went to I went to undergrad for math and then switched over into art eventually. But it was all because, and that girl she ended up being like a lawyer or something. Right, <laughs> she right. She didn't even want to do fashion. She just stole and, your thunder and your and your first dream, L. <laughs> it is funny now. It's like really you let that you really let that shape your future. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? I mean, if you could replay that that moment, but. Who knows? You might be on the same path too, you know? Yeah. The path I ended up on is a fantastic path. I'm not sad about it. I'm just, I'm, it does surprise me that I'm that stubborn. (laughs) I was like, you know what? I'm doing my own thing. Do you, nobody else is doing it. As far as clothing, clothing shopping, do you mix it all up? Do you do like vintage, thrift, new, and just, yeah. High, low, Mm -hmm. target, homemade. You got it. Yeah. I wish I could sew. I can I can only staple and tape and glue things. So it prevents me from wearing like making real clothes or envisioning. But you have to also have I think a mind that can see like abstract and 3D in order to do that, you know. Yes. I did um this is fun um in undergrad when I did switch over to art, I was given a New York telephone book and told to make a sculpture out of this. And that's all I could use for materials other than a basic stand. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and it, the rules were it had to be, you know, this really thick telephone book and about six feet tall. And I, I really whacked my brain about what I was going to create. And I made a wet, uh, I made a sculpture that turned into my wedding dress. Um, so it evolved over, over the shape from the telephone book but the texture and the pattern that I had created, it was basically like those folded fans that I just had manipulated into this really cool shape and strung it along this pedestal that I was allowed to use. And I had it sitting there and it looked like Alexander McQueen. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, I think I'm going to wear that for my wedding. And obviously, you know, you get the thousand wackadoodle-doo looks. And I'm like, I'm serious. I love this. I could never afford Alexander McQueen. I got married very young and my husband's really artsy. I'm like, would you care if I wear something like this? He's like, no. My mom says, uh, you know, it's like print, ink. You're right. going to be covered in ink for your wedding. <laughs> and she, 
she's really supportive, but I think she was doing the whole head scratch. Like, what are you thinking? Um, but I ended up evolving that into wax paper and I walked down the aisle in a wax paper wedding dress. You know, you're giving me all these visuals um, and I'm going to be like, oh, can we get a picture of that? Can we get a picture of that? I also wanted to know, well, do you still have that? Um, do you still have your telephone book sculpture or your first tape sculpture? I don't have either, but I do have my wedding dress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the tape sculpture was these little, I did the uh, little cones that I just rolled and rolled and rolled to use mundane materials to create sculpture. Yeah, I love that. I, I mean, I, I have a, a just a ball that one of my kids made out of masking tape that, like, when I moved, I made sure I had that ball. And it's in my office sitting on a bunch of books. And just I love sculptures and art made out of everyday objects, you know. It is funny. When I was on Design Star, I went back to what I knew. And I did create that, recreate that telephone book sculpture in a, in a different form. And they hated it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> You're off in the hindsight, <laughs> it was not at all designed. Um, it was, it was, it wasn't a great design, um, but it was something that I went back to uh, in my security blanket, if you will, that I, I went back to that kind of form of what got me there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's good. Um, so in the world of kitchen and bath, because you've, you've covered it from, you know, from the NKBA and, and now with a specific brand, but what's, what's most exciting to you? Um, because you've been in it for a while and as it continues to evolve, what's, what's delighting you these days? I love the innovation in the technology, um, and seeing the new products. I don't know if you remember, it used to be on like HGTV or the TLC channel where you would have a host walk you through a, uh, a trade show. I used to sit as a kid and just love that. I love to see all of the coolest things that were out on the market. I wanted to know if I could ever have that in my house. Mm. I used to live for that. And I think that today we all get to live that. Like you can go to a trade show and navigate it yourself. You can be your own host and see all of this really cool stuff. Um, I, I don't know how virtually trade shows are going to work out with the situation we're in now, but the ability to be around these people that are creating this stuff is just super cool. And I brag all the time. Like, I'm so proud to work at Delta Faucet Company. I say I work with Steve Jobs. They just hide him in the basement. Mm -hmm. The engineers that develop the technology, like, right in front of our eyes, that's cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's so cool to be a part of that. So do you I, have, I'm like, laboratories and, and, you know, in at the Delta headquarters? What's it like there? Like, uh, it yeah. is a beautiful facility. Uh, you walk in, there's a big old waterfall that uh, kind of welcomes you into the space. And we have showrooms there. We have our own labs, a lot of office space. Uh, and manufacturing is done in separate uh, buildings. We have Jackson, Tennessee, Morgantown, Kentucky. So there's different uh, factory tours as well. But at headquarters, it is mostly showroom and lab and office space. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we do our our corporate learning events there as well. Right. And, and in the world of, of faucet technology, what's, what's exciting? What are you working on and, and yeah, what's going on? 
some of that is like top secret. Of course, right? I don't want. To, <laughs> of, I don't know. I don't want to know what's coming out next year. I just want to know the the most recent things. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, voice is really big. Uh, we have a touch faucet that's voice enabled. And especially now with uh, COVID-19, you can say Alexa asked Delta to wash hands and it will do the 20 second timer. It turns on and off when it should. The temperature is the right temperature. Uh, it, they're beautiful to look at. So all of that, as far as the technology side of things and faucets is really nice. And the functionality of our touch faucet I really like. It is not the wave your hands, do the crazy dance kind of thing. <laughs> and although this doesn't seem like rocket science, it's really functional and practical for everybody and can just be uh, touched lightly and function. Mm -hmm. Sorry, one second. I had some uh, four kiddos who like to talk while I'm on the phone. Oh. You have, did you say you have four kids? Yes, I have four kids. I have a 11 year old girl, an almost nine year old girl, and five year old twin boys. Oh my goodness, L! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I wow. I, that's all I can say. I mean, wow. I, yeah, I am so glad. I mean, I love my kids. I raised them, and and. Um, one of the best parts when they were in school of my day was picking them up from aftercare. Like I would, I was so excited to see them after I worked a day, but I don't think I could, I don't know how I would have gotten through this work from home as a mother of younger kids. I just don't know if I could have been a really good mom. Like, are you? Do no, losing terribly. <laughs> How do you there's deal with school? No chart. How, how do you and your husband, um, you know, do the school thing? Uh, our girls are super self-motivated. Uh, the oldest is a champ. She thrives on, she's an A plus personality mm -hmm. and she's super creative, very sports oriented. She's like a dream. And same with the, the middle child. She's pretty self-motivated and looks up to her older sister. So that's a great role model. Uh, and the boys are not yet in kindergarten, so they don't have as much of a workload, but it is definitely a challenge to be in meetings and form strategy. I joke, uh, you know, you can put all these backgrounds on. I try to have a fun background, and I just threw on something that was colorful. I had no idea what my background was, and it's this Minecraft background, and one of my boys is crawling behind me, which you can't see in the background because on Minecraft. And all of a sudden, he's, here comes this boy in his underwear crawling out of the Minecraft background while I'm pitching a strategy. It's good times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least every, everybody's, you know, I think there's great understanding. And I, I like the human aspect of it. I mean, I like, like, when I think about creating our next issue, to me, it's like the least rehearsed. It's the most natural. That's what I want. I mean, I think, I don't know. I find a lot of beauty in um, just what is without all the bells and whistles, you know? And it is funny because I would say the same thing, but I'm definitely the person that's like, shh, I'm in a meeting. Come on, one more minute. You know, <laughs> you're still trying to hold it all together. <laughs> right, you, you do. You do because it's also you're focused and you want to – you want to have a good, successful meeting so you can move forward. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm here uh, 
alone in North Carolina. My partner is in a other part of our house, and um, and it's like work from home has been really easy. My kids are um, my kids are are grown, so. I hear it from both sides, though. You know, if you have grown children and now you see all these families required to be together and you can't be with your family, it's hard. Well, that's hard. Yeah, I've I've yeah, I've I've cried a little bit about that. Just like, when am I going to see them? You know, and also my parents. Do you have family in Indianapolis or where are you from originally? I'm from Pennsylvania. I was born and raised there and left. I, I it was a big leap for me to leave. NKBA, which is based in New Jersey, I lived in Pennsylvania, mostly worked remote. Mm-hmm. And then to pick up and leave to Indianapolis with no family here was 100% telling about how amazing Delta is. I wouldn't have left my family. Especially my with job. four kids, you don't want to leave that support network, right? Yeah. Like I, I had a good gig at NKBA. I loved my job at NKBA and left because I saw so much opportunity with Delta and it, they're just, it's unbelievably, un, it's just unreal. I didn't even know a company like this would exist. It's so I cool. hope that when you're stays, open, yeah. I've only been here a year, so maybe it's just the honeymoon phase. I don't know. Well, I, I wish you good luck. I mean, it, it sounds perfect. Um, yeah. I want to visit. Yeah, <laughs> I want to come out totally and visit. visit. Um, yeah, I just want to, can't wait to get in the car and drive. When do you think you're going back to work? Uh, there, we're very careful and very mindful of our employees and staff. So it will be a phased approach and it has not formally been announced yet other than um, slow slow and steady. And there's quite a few of us at headquarters is about 450. So we will want to make sure that we're pretty careful on social distancing as well. Sure. So well, I'm not totally sure. I'm thinking probably sometime in June. Mm-hmm. Well, we know you've got the hand washing down. So yeah, that's, that's a good thing. Nice to have <laughs> an essential business right now. I will say that yeah. uh, being this hygiene and sanitation is not a bad business to be in. Totally. That is, that is true. Um, well, like I, I want to see your masks. I want to see, um, your wedding, <laughs> your wedding dress. I want to see things. So you and I, I'm so glad that we got to meet a little bit more deeply. Now I feel like I know you better, a lot better. Oh, well, thank you. I can't wait to get to know you. Well, ne- that's the next conversation. <laughs> that'll be the next one. That's great. Yeah. That'll be the next we'll, conversation. We'll- flip rolls and do a little a side swap. We can do that. We can totally do that. Um, I'm going to listen to this and I, but I think that we got some really good sound bites and I'd love to, I'd love to put you on the podcast. So does that awesome. sound good? That's awesome. Thank you so much. All right. All right. So I will be in touch. Okay. All, All right. right. Have a good day. You too. Elle. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to said. I sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.